So you're stuffing a raw chicken full of lemon and tarragon, and you're sweating because A, you can fit a lot of lemon and tarragon inside a chicken. And B, your date is arriving soon and you still haven't opened wine or put on music or set the mood. But you do have an Amazon Echo, so you say, Alexa, turn on date night. Okay. And just like that, romantic music begins to play, the lights are dimmed, and all you have to do is pour the wine right after you wash your hands. Thoroughly. Alexa, you're amazing. My pleasure. Listen to the words, man. <laughs> What's up, Rich? My brother. What's up, everybody? We have a guest, I promise. <laughs> Hi, Melissa. How you doing? What's up, Rachel? How are you? I am happy, man. I'm at peace. Hi, Twyla. Okay. She's trying to connect right now. Are you using your... Phone or CPU. There she is. What's up, everybody? Aloha, Charles. Hi, VK. I see you. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is. I'm really, I'm really, really, really happy to see you guys. Good evening. Um, this is the evening edition. Of Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. It's really good to see everyone. Um, we have an amazing guest. And I just really want to give a shout out real quick to iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Um, I've, yeah. And then, of course, all of you Facebook lovely, amazing, wonderful people. It's good to see you guys this evening. I, um, I'm really excited about our guest. I was at um, about a couple weeks ago was at a movie screening for a movie that yours truly got to be in. And it I want to say something really quick. Sometimes you just got to show up. Show up and look look to help people and then you get like really crazy fun opportunities. But anyway, we went to this really cool party um, in the Hollywood Hills and you just never know who you're going to meet. I just met I just there was a lot of great people there, but I was able to connect to a couple people on a deeper level which was really really cool. And I was like, you have to be on my show. And then reading her bio, I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> she, I love it when I meet people when they have so many different things going on and they've done so many amazing, cool, creative things. It's just like, it's, a, it's inspiring because what it does is it just shows you that you can do anything that you want. I mean, you can create anything in this world that you want to create. And she is living proof of it. I'm going to read you her bio really quick because she's awesome. And really quick, Chelsea Lee, what's up? Good to see you. Mary Sterling, Veronica, always good to see you. Rich, uh, and of course, Melissa Hall and Twyla, wonderful to see you guys. Everybody listening right now on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, iTunes, uh, you guys can check us out at Joshua T. Berglund's Morning Gratitude. And you will see the show and you can interact with the audience and just connect. Uh, the show has been really, really great for people to connect. Uh, there's been a lot of business deals that have been done um, from people hanging out and watching this show. So it's like a really, really fun place to hang out. So you guys should check it out. Okay, guys. So VK Len is a prolific BMI songwriter who has worked on a variety of musical projects in a variety of styles. Published author of poetry and fiction. She's an actor, so she's represented by commercial talent and is spirit talent, and is an alternative model represented by alternative agency. How many phone calls a day does she have to have? My goodness. VK has written and recorded three full-length CDs of material as a blues rock solo artist. 
the Kia V, Black Halo, and Whiskey or Water, which was recorded in Denmark with producer James Thomas, who's worked with Cher, Beth Hart, and so on. Uh, she treated, she created the critically acclaimed Symphonic Metal International Recording Project Vita Nova, which featured 13 artists from six different countries. Immediately after VN's release, she joined the progressive metal band Stork, which released its broken pieces, sadly the week of its founder, Shane Gibson's death. I read that wrong. Upon Shane's pathing, VK went on to front modern rock band The Spider Accomplice. I can't talk today. Which was released two awarded, which has released two awarded EPs, winner of LA's Music Critic Awards, Best Rock Band, Best Video Series, and Best EP, and toured with the metal heavyweights White Empress and Insidious. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna, oh my, VK's laughing at me. You guys can't see this, but I have no, Insadia? I gotta start listening to metal again. I quit listening to metal because it just makes me angry. And I don't like being angry. As a personality within the music community, <laughs> oh my God, VK is known as one of the founders of Eve's Apple, a, glo a global group of professional female metal singers. The group's goal was to foster community and cooperation between women, and the group boasted 50 women from approximately 22 nations by the time it closed its doors. Eve's Apple accomplishments included releasing a compilation CD, the proceeds of which were donated entirely to Strassfire Music Foundation and two historic performances at Belgium's Metal Female Voices Fest. For the first time, 20, 20 women of different nationalities, bands, and styles performed together as a group and in duos and trios in a show of solidarity and unity. She is a writer and a director of a web series, Trading on 15, which won in the webisode category at the 2011 Hollywood Shorts Film Festival. She produced and appeared in Glitter Mortis, an informational web series with Mary Zimmer of White Empress, and she was a 2015 recipient of the prestigious Gentle Arts Foundation Residency Award for her work as an author. How much time do you have in a day? She can't have kids. There's no way. Her novella, Even Sol Solomon series, received a five-star review, and her poetry volume, Crisis, made Amazon's hot seller list. <sighs> Aside from her writing and singing activities, VK has appeared in several films, such as 108 Stitches, a baseball comedy that received a national release, and Quiet Riot, Well Now, You're Here, There's No Way Back a documentary about the legendary Seminole Metal Act, which was screened at the Cannes Film Festival. She, currently, she performs with the burlesque troupe, the Dollface Dames, as Pinky Dreadful. VK You're not dreadful at all. What are you talking about? VK's guitars are provided by Stag and EMD Music, and she has an artist arrangement with the Sennheiser microphones. My God, I can't read. What's up, everybody? Mike Rose, Veronica, Mary, Jeanette, good to see you guys. And forgive me because I can't read and I've never had so many tongue twisters. And that that bio just like put me in dyslexic hell. So, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, welcome my friend VK Lynn. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I need someone to teach. I know. <laughs> Mary said. <laughs> Mary just goes, what a bio. Yeah. You know what? It's actually more impressive when someone else reads it. <laughs> I felt bad because I felt like you kept getting yourself riled up. The more riled up you got, the more you were like, I can't I don't know if anyone can see, but I'm actually sweating right now. I <laughs> oh, 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 oh my God. How, how are you, VK? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm, just, 
I'm in such a good mood. I, even though my reading my reading ability needs work. <laughs> I you're so happy and bubbly. I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that you were in a metal band. Well, you know, metal isn't... A lot of people think about metal and they think about um, Slayer or Anthrax, but there's other there's other types of metal. And um, the symphonic metal that I did a lot of, um, the closest thing American audiences would be able to liken it to is Evanescence. Oh. But in Europe... There's a very big female-fronted metal scene. There's a, a band called Nightwish out of Finland, and they really kind of taken things to another level. They were the first ones to have an operatic soprano in front of you know this metal band and this orchestra. So it's 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 very big music. It's big music. Um, but then when I did Stork, that was definitely progressive metal, and that was they, or math metal they call it. And um, it was a very it's a very male-dominated. Yeah. Um, Wait, math metal is that like Tool? Yeah, yeah, kind of like Tool. Oh, I dig um, Tool. Yeah, yeah. So you might like Stork. Who knows? I'm um, gonna write it down. Yeah. Uh, Check this so out. So it was, it was, it was very three of us. Well, four of us actually, because Kelly Lemieux, who's now a Buck Cherry, had played bass, and Thomas Lyon was on drums, and Shane Gibson from Corn was on lead guitar, but he passed away. Like I said, the the week that the record came out, so we God. that that was the end of that. I mean. Uh, but it was, it was a really interesting record to make because it challenged me in unbelievable ways. I mean, one of the songs is written in 1716. So, I'm like, holy Moses. Um, you know, it's Shane, we always said Shane wrote in the key of evil, you know. Um, so you just had to, and I just, I tried to sing along with his guitar and we made it work somehow. It was, it was really fun. It was really fun. Okay, before I let the interview get away from me completely, um, what, what, <laughs> What are you grateful for this evening? Oh, what am I grateful for? I'm grateful. Um, gosh, well, I'm, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you, um, you know, sitting here talking to you. I mean, it's, it's nice when someone wants to talk to you. Um, I started a new job this week, and um, so it's, I've been kind of running around like a crazy person all day, and now I'm like, huh, oh, you know, I get to, to be BK Lynn again. Um, and I'm grateful that my record, is, my band's record, is coming out May 15th. Like we're we're so stoked about that because it's been a, a long time coming. So we're we're really excited about this. So that's yeah. This morning we were kind of going. We, everyone's texting each other. Woohoo! 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 You know, so are you guys? Is what kind of music is it? It's is it a country album? Just to throw a wrench in the plans of what you do. Um, it, well, it's, it's the Spider Accomplice, the band that I've done the last two records with, because that's that's my band now. Um, and it's the third EP in the trilogy. So it's we're finishing off the Los Angeles trilogy. So this is Los Angeles, the dichotomy. And that is the record, so. Everyone, everyone loves your hair. Um, Shelly's wow. husband is the lead singer. He is? He's Wait, the what? lead singer in a metal band? I didn't... He's... All of you really, really nice people are in metal bands. I don't. I, it's the strangest thing. Shelly, her, who's one of she's one of my people, and her yeah, and her yeah. husband, the, yeah, super yeah. sweet. Is it just because you, that you're able to get the aggression out in in the music, or what is the deal well, with that? There's a, I mean, metal is like I said, there's a lot of different kinds of metal. I mean, that you can get the metal people going down. Hole of like, well, there's alt metal, there's new metal, there's black metal, there's prog metal, there's this. I mean, there's so many types of metal. But um, for us, I mean, one of the, I mean, you know, just the whole, you know, you get to headbang, you know, you, you get to be up on stage, you know, guys are flying around and everything. And, um, it is aggressive, but at the same time, like, it's um, it's a really accepting community, believe it or not. Um, I have found that the metal fans are really, really open-minded. I mean, you can you can go out there and throw almost anything at them, and if they feel like it's good music, they're like, okay, cool. You know, it could be something totally weird and off the wall, but they're like, all right, fair enough. You know, so they've been probably the most accepting, kind people that I've met in the music business because I've definitely met some people in other genres who are not as nice. Um, and the metal folks, they just don't have any real pretension with them. They just love the music and they're there for the music and I dig that a lot. 
That's so cool. You know, and I, it's funny you brought up Slayer. And a lot of people think that Slayer is this satanic devil worshiping band, but the truth is they're actually like hardcore devout Catholics who know who know the Bible better than most pastors do. Uh, and, and that's just it, it's weird to me. So I but I, I, I dig that. So what made what what drew you to metal in the very beginning? Uh, like why did you choose that route? Is it just what spoke to your soul or, or what? You know, it, I can't, it, it's so hard to say. I mean, I love music. I mean, I just music in general. I mean, I grew up on Patsy Cline and the Beatles because those were my moms. And so that's what I grew up listening to. And uh, then in high school, I, I met a boy. I met a boy. Um, it's always boys. And um, he introduced me to Queensryche and Metallica. Uh-huh. And it just kind of opened this whole door for me. And um, if you're familiar with Queensryche, I mean, that's... First concert I ever went to, actually. What? First concert I ever went to at the Zoo Amphitheater in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. I saw Queensryche, and it's quite the performance. I mean, it was quite the stage performance. Absolutely, absolutely. Still, still best show I've ever seen was the Promised Land tour. I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, it was amazing. It was amazing. I saw a typo negative open for them, and Pete Steele singing Summer Breeze. Like, that's, that's the tour that I saw. There you, there you go. Wow. Virginia Beach. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So Huge. cool. Jet City Woman was so right awesome. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I quit listening to it. I still listen to Tool. I love Tool, but again, I don't look at that as metal, metal, and I don't look at it as that angry. Um, well, this the. Not really angry. It yeah. doesn't have to be angry. I mean, a lot of metal is, you know big and you know driving and maybe a little aggressive it's not necessarily angry i don't think most of what i write is angry um some of it is i mean there's some of it (laughs) but um a lot of it isn't you know it's just i mean i really am a big fan of nuno betancourt i kind of fell into nuno betancourt when i discovered um queensbrake and what i liked about him is he he writes these riffs that are electric and driven, but they also have just a little bit of blues twang to them. So he incorporates a lot of different genres. And that's what I like to do. I like to put a lot of different genres together and just make something that I feel like is good music. Right. So I don't I don't really ascribe too much to genres because you can put out a record, which I've done, and have many different genres on the same record. And it, it really tends to tick off you know, executives, but the fans always like that. They yeah. always like when you trust them. Okay, hold on. So, I, because I'm going to get away, I don't want to forget this question, but the executives part that you mentioned, where they, for seemed like for years, they controlled the artist, even back in the 60s when my dad toured with Ike and Tina and Jerry Lee Lewis, they, they had a big control over what was happening. Now it seems like the artists have the it's 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 more competitive because people can put their music out anywhere, but you do have that freedom to express yourself freely, unlike before. Correct? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, there are still folks who are are holding on to the old model, you know, with both hands, you know, hoping it's going to come back, and it's not. It's not going to come back. That's what I like about our manager right now. Our manager right now really is Maverick, and she believes in we're doing this the new way. We're not signing label deals. We're not going this way. We are doing this our way and going independent. I mean, so many have done it. I mean, Macklemore is out there, you know, Chance the Rapper, you know, they're winning awards and selling records, and they're not on a label. Um, and the labels are frantic trying to figure out how to keep it going, you know. Um, and what they're doing then is taking more money from the artists, which, yeah, they're already, yeah. So I see these young kids signing deals and they're broke or their record gets shelved forever. And it's just, it's just a shame. It's a shame and it's a crime because there's a lot of good artists out there who are getting discouraged. Now, there's a lot of different theories on it. Some people say, well, this is gonna make the cream rise to the top, you know, and this is gonna make people work harder. Right. And then there's people who say, well, now everybody can make music. And my husband's like, yeah, everybody can make music. <laughs> Just because you have Pro Tools don't mean you should, you know? <laughs> and so and there's that too. You've got, you know, folks that, 
lazy, where they have this attitude of like, well, see, anybody can do it now. So it almost denigrates all the years that you spent learning and studying and working on your craft when, oh, anybody can do it. Right. Anybody can do it, see? All you need to do is go be on American Idol and you can do it too because, you know, it, it, there's no skill at all. It's just chance of luck. <laughs> Hey, I, look at me. I have a I have a show. I mean, I I didn't go to school. I mean, and I don't have years in it. But that's, but I do take it serious. But I mean, seriously, like it's that's the beauty of the world that we live in. There's some people that you know don't have. They didn't go to broadcasting school. They didn't pick up an instrument until you know. They didn't discover a love. They didn't know that they could sing, or maybe they had this fear, and then now they're 40, 50, 60 years old and now they found their voice and they want to sing and now they have the capability of putting stuff out there. I mean, there is a there's a pro to it, but there's obviously some cons too because there's some really awful stuff out there. Oh gosh, yes. I I want to talk to you about butterflies in a beehive. Okay. Because we talked. That's right, Michael. I can vouch for your guitar playing skills. Damn good guitarist. Um I we when we met we got into a pretty deep conversation and then butterflies and a beehive came up. Explain to me and explain to the audience where that in, the inspiration for that came. Um, well, about two years ago, I had um, what I like to lovingly call my midlife crisis. Um, Aren't you, what are you like twenty four? Oh, so sweet, so sweet. Um, you know, you reach that age where you say, "Well, what what about?" What am I doing with my life? Like, where it doesn't, it does anything matter? Does any of this matter? Have I done anything? If I died today, would any, would I have, could I say I made the world any better? I did anything good. And um, I had gone for a walk with my husband and I said to him, you know, I just feel like there's just two, and there was, there was a bush next to us and there were all these bees buzzing around it. And I said, there's like, there's bees. There's two types of people in the world there's bees and there's butterflies. And the bees are the ones that are doing the work. They're, you know, making the hive, and they're protecting the queen, they're doing all that great stuff. And then there's the butterflies, with their ridiculous wings and colors, and, you know, they've got these delicate, you know, gossamer things that can be ripped instantly, and they don't, they pollinate stuff, but they don't do it well, you know, and they're basically just for you to look at. And I said to him, I'm a butterfly, I'm useless. And he said, yeah, but, end of the day, the bee goes to the bar and puts a quarter in the box to listen to the butterfly because it sucks to be a bee. <laughs> and so I, said, I went to my band and I said, told them this whole story. And uh, my drummer said, well, yeah, we're all just butterflies in a beehive. And I said, yes, that's, that's correct. And we sat down and wrote the song that night. And so I got a tattoo of my arm. There it is. The butterfly in the beehive. <laughs> that's it's amazing how songs get written now do you do you write your own music yeah how what ha okay when you do you ever get writer's block well here's the thing um I really think that like songs just kind of come to me they come to like I oh. know that my com my songs come from a different place because I have the Christmas song what? It's called Salvation in the Skies. And that I, sounds like a biblical song. It is. It Ooh. Is. Um, yeah. And um, I wrote it in July. It was July. It was roasting hot. And I was walking through my living room, and all of a sudden I felt like I needed to sit down and write this down right away. And I wrote down the whole song, and that was it. And then I went on about my day. And um, I do feel like sometimes God's like, hey, I got something to say. Write it down. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll write it down, you know? So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not particularly, I know there are some people sting, they say it's very disciplined, he sits down and he writes music every day, he says, even if it's crap, he sits down and writes music every day. Um, I can't say I'm that disciplined, I, when it comes, it comes, you know? I mean, there are times when I will have a, but usually I'll have something. And when I write with Arno, Arno's um, my co-writer in the band, I mean, Arno, definitely has a sense of where my head's usually at, so he'll write a riff. He'll write a crazy guitar riff and just send it to me. And that That's usually all we need to do. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, there it is. There it is. Now we know what's going on. So I write really well with him. I, I enjoy writing with him. He's, 
he writes in a very uplifting way, and I write lyrics that are very sad, so when you mix them together, you get hope. <laughs> and we feel like that's what we're shooting for. So, <clears throat> why the... <clears throat> excuse me. Why the sad lyrics, though? Because I know... I mean, I don't know if I'm going to alien... You're going to alienate fans by saying this, but you're a person of faith, right? Well... Yes, absolutely. Um, but I still suffer from depression a lot. Um, and it's a weird thing. I I know it's it's a family thing. I mean, my father was clinically depressed. You know, I've, I've had depression in the family. Um, I also have PCOS, which messes up your hormones and definitely makes you p- prone to depression. What's PCOS um, again? I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's polycystic ovarian syndrome. Oh. Yeah. So I'm infertile. Um, and I, I, you know, you're prone to depression. It really kind of jostles your hormones around a lot. And um, I definitely expect a lot of myself and um, generally I'm disappointed with what I come back with. I usually feel like I, um, I struggle very hard with feeling lazy. I have a very, I used to tell one pastor, I'm like, but you know what Paul said, if you will not work, you will not eat. And he said, that scripture's not for you. Okay, he's like, yeah, no, you're not allowed to read that one anymore. And I said, okay. Um, so I know that when I write songs, a lot of times I'll get out whatever pain I'm feeling, I'll get it out. And for me, I think it does help that my fans know I'm a person of faith, but that I'm also still struggling because I don't think once you have faith, that doesn't mean you don't struggle anymore. God, no. Like, yeah. And I think there's a lot of people who feel like, oh, if I'm struggling or if I'm if I'm sad or something, then I must not really, you know, be walking with Jesus. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't have to be perfect first. Like Jesus is there with you, you know. He's he's yeah. He's like, it's all right, you know. I I talk about this um, quite a bit. Like I gave, I mean, I, I, I my show. It's all my my show is pretty well known. My story. But I gave my life to Christ three and a half years ago, and but I still had the the demons just like coming at me, just always talking to me, always telling me that the whether it's the limiting beliefs or things from my past or and then and like no matter how much I would stand and try to fight against it, and then battling my own mental health issues and being bipolar and you know and and just. ADHD is like a superpower, but you know, bipolar disorder can suck. Um, and you get in your head and you're just like, oh, it, 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 or you get lost and you get sucked into that black hole and there's nowhere out. And then you just feel your brain talking to you, telling that you can't do it. You won't do it. You're a failure. You're never going to do this. You're never going to do that. And it just, and it haunts. And yet, yes, I am a person of faith. And I knew that there was something more for me out there and thank God there's work like emotional intelligence work and different things that you can do where you can go and just kind of exercise those limiting beliefs and and there's things that you can do. For me, like I, I know that I can't say that my mental health issues are done, but being able to remove a lot of those obstacles uh, has been so helpful for me because, you know, I have a big vision. And I felt like that God's placed in my life. I mean, since I was seven years old, I've had the same vision. It's more clear now than it ever was. But it, it's it's just because you have faith does not mean crap is not going to happen to you. Does not mean you're not going to suffer. Doesn't mean that you're not going to you know feel like a failure and and go where are you God? Where are you? Where are you when I need you? You know, and then always usually right about the right time he shows up. <laughs> but you know, it's but you still struggle and you we still battle and we still have attacks because we're human. We're flawed. Yeah. In this life you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. So I'm like, All right, buddy, you've overcome the world because right now I'm having a rough one. <laughs> He's like, Okay, no worries. How do you get out how do you get out of your depression? like when you're battling with depression, how do you get out of it? Um has helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just helps drain off the bad juju sometimes, you know, like just getting, I, my husband has a phrase, when in doubt, do. And he's really right. Like when I'm feeling like, uh, like just, I, like, I feel like I'm going to fall into that thing. Right. I'm like, nope, I'm going to go exercise or I'm going to pick up the guitar and I'm going to play for a while or I'm going to sing like that. Uh, singing always, you know, singing is always great. It's like, and that is just, 
I can get so much out when I sing. Singing is a very spiritual thing for me. I, I, if I could only do one thing for the rest of my life, it would be singing. You know, so that helps too. You know, it's just I think as long as you're moving forward, the the times when depression gets dangerous, I think, is when you sit down and you stop and you sit in it. When you sit down in that that mud, it just will just pull you down further and further and further. And that's where I had gotten when I had my midlife crisis and whatnot. And I I remember saying to someone, I feel like I'm falling down a hole. I'm grabbing at the roots, like in the ground, and I just can't hold on to anything. I just keep falling and falling and falling. And um, I'm really excited that I didn't I didn't die in that time because I I I wrote an article about it for this magazine where I really had this premonition that I wasn't going to live past that year. I felt like the Lord told me that was my last year. It was my last year. And so the whole year this cloud had hung over my head that I felt like this is it. This is it. And um, so I couldn't get excited about anything. I couldn't think about Christmas, I couldn't think about next year because I was like, well, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be here. Right. It's a very, it's a very bad, dark place to be. But looking back now on that, I learned so much from that period. And there's nothing like when, I mean, it's a terrible thing, but sometimes to get close to God, it's like he really needs to shake you, you know? And he did. He, he shook me like a tree and was like, look here, pay attention. I'm talking to you. Yeah, I learned to quit, start listening to that voice immediately because I, I, I have talked about this in my past too, where you get a warning where it's like you get your hand slapped and like you don't pay attention to it. And then you get punched in the stomach and then after that you break your arm and then next thing you know, you're crashing your car. And I, obviously there's different things with that, but there's levels of it where it's like, hey, I'm trying to get your attention, like pay attention, quit trying to do it your way. Like, stop, go the other way. And that, you know, I finally have gotten I, where I trust that voice more than I do the one, my, my own. You, you heard his whisper. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's, it's, and that's a hard discipline to get into because he does, he does speak to us if we just stop and listen. Because he is trying to guide us to stay on the right path. And those, but golly, man, I got to tell you, sometimes... You know, especially me being so dadgum stubborn and thinking that I know what's right and I know I know what it's gonna like my way's best, right? Like I'm in control of this, and then I get quickly reminded, like, okay, you can be in control and watch what happens. And so I'm fortunate now to have learned my lesson for the most part, where things are going better, but I still still get my hand slapped, <laughs> still get reminded. I mean, I, again, I've been on this journey for four, like the last three months now, and I got to this place of thinking, oh, I can do this. I can make this happen. And then, nope, <laughs> it fell through again. I'm just like, ah. So what, is, what do you enjoy more? Because you, obviously you love singing, um, and writing is obviously a big part of what you're doing with music, but... Do you like you've also been in some movies and do you enjoy that? Do you, yeah, nerds are right, Shelly, nerds, exactly, nerds, dadgum, yeah. Um, what, what, what would you say your favorite thing to do? I mean, do you enjoy the, the, the whole environment of being in movies and acting or, or do you, is it all music and performing? It's all music and performing. I mean, I've been, here's the thing I, I have no illusions that I'm any kind of an actress. <laughs> Sometimes when you have an unusual look, you, you get called to be the bartender, the alien, the prostitute, the biker chick, you know. So that's why I've been in stuff. Because they need someone with an unusual look who can walk and talk without falling over. And that's me. Um, but I am in no way Meryl Streep. <laughs> you know? That's crazy. That's crazy. I, um, go, sorry, go ahead. No, no I, would, I would rather be on stage singing probably than doing anything else in the world. I love touring, love it. Um, and that's that's a great thing for me because every night it's different. It's different people, it's a different city, it's a different feeling every night. And when you see people singing your words back to you and they're so excited, you just feel like, okay, I, I am doing something right now. I have not wasted my life, you know? And so that's, that for me, it's, it's they go together. Like the writing and the singing, to me, they go together. 
Um, and I, I, I always tell my husband, I don't feel like I do a lot of different things because I feel like what I do is I work with words. I write poems, I write stories, I write songs, I sing songs, but everything I do is centered around language. I love language. You know, I taught English for 17 years. I love grammar. I love grammar in a really unhealthy way. Um, get super stoked about it. So, and so, yeah. Oh, so I'm sure me butchering your bio was <laughs> like, did this kid, did, who taught this kid to read? <laughs> so well, that was essentially, I mean, if you go on YouTube and look up Drunk Grammar, that's me and my friend, that's our show. And essentially it was because um, we were, I was, me and some of my girlfriends were having a glass of wine one night, and someone said, you know, I always wanted to know, what's a dangling modifier? And I said, oh, well, a dangling modifier is a modification at the beginning of a phrase followed by a comma, and if the actual subject of the sentence isn't following that comma, then the phrase is incorrect and it's dangling. And she said, you know, you can do this. Even if you were raging drunk, and I said probably, and she was like, "You should make a show." So obviously, we're not raging drunk, but we pour some wine and we talk about grammar, and we call it drunk grammar. And it was a lot of fun because I just love grammar. Like I love when someone has a grammar question. I'm like, "Oh, it's so exciting! Let me explain to you." And they're like, "Okay." But I, yeah, I feel like we can achieve world peace if we all agree grammar. Do you? I do, because communication. I think that honestly, truthfully, straight up right now, it's like the problem we're having in the world, politics and everything, is communication breakdown. It really is. I'll watch people on Facebook fighting, and they won't even realize they're saying the exact same thing. Oh, that's freaking true. This one doesn't know, and this one's using poor grammar that this one can't suss out. And I'm like, if we all could just speak the same language properly... I thought maybe we could all communicate. But they have sign sign language is not even a universal language. That's even different. <laughs> so, like, I know. I just hate when I see people. Like I saw someone getting really, really angry at someone the other day over something I couldn't understand. I realized it's because they had used a word and that person didn't know what that word meant, and they thought it was an insult. It wasn't, but they thought it was. And based on that, they needed this other person. And I'm like, buy a dictionary. <laughs> We're just going to be wanting and poking each other in a few years. I swear, it's it. it, Yeah, we are well, or or speaking an emoji, which you know that that could happen, especially with virtual reality. Yeah, now your bio makes even more sense how it was written. I because I I'm like it was written like an English teacher wrote it. Now that, that makes perfect sense. Um, golly. So, okay. We got music. You're an actress. You want to be on stage. What, what crazy, like, fantasy do you have of, like, that you, like, and and all the things that you can do in this creative brain of yours. What do you imagine yourself doing that you have not done that you want to do? I want to write a musical, um, like a stage musical, uh-huh. like like Hamilton sort of thing. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Lin Manuel Miranda, and um, I've always been a musical theater fan. I've done something like 42 plays since I was 12 years old. I've been a Jesus Christ superstar and Vita and Into the Woods and all those. I love musicals, um, so I feel like there's one brewing in me. But uh, here you go. Part of me feels like, well, I'm not qualified to do that. Like, what, what qualifies me to be able to do that? Like, I don't know how to score things for, like, string players and stuff like that. I don't know how to do any of that. So I, I tell myself sometimes, well, you can't do that. You can't do that because you're not, you don't, you don't know the music. You know, because I've never had voice lessons. I've never had, you know, musical, I've never had formal musical training. All the music that I know, I've taught me. Wait, you've done all of this Musically, you're this accomplished, and you taught yourself. You s- it, wait. So hold on, and yet, people, everyone listening right now, seriously, think about this. I mean, you've heard her bio, and yet you still you taught yourself how to do all of that. Yet now you're fighting with yourself about this musical. You're you're more qualified to do it than people that are doing musicals. What's good about me is I will do that for them. I, Joyce Meyer said one time, do 
it afraid. If you're afraid to do it, do it anyway. Do it afraid. And so I tend to do that. I always tell people, I'm doing things scared out of my gourd, but I'm doing it anyway. When I wrote my novel, um, Even Solomon, again, I told myself I had no business writing that thing. Um, it's about a middle-aged male botanist in the early 1800s in Europe. What? I don't know, but I had this idea. I had this idea, and so I just started writing, writing, writing. And my friend, the one who does drug grammar with me, said, when are you going to finish that book? And I said, uh, I don't know. I just like to feel funny. She goes, you know what? Be a finisher. Just be a finisher. Even if it's crap, even if you get to the end of it and you say, well, that failed, you finished it. You did it. You can say you finished it, and then you can move forward. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to be a finisher. So I did. I finished the book. And that's when I won the, the Gentile residency because I sent it. I, and that was another time. I sent it off to them. I found the application for the residency, and I said to my husband, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to get this. Because look at their webpage. They want important people who have MFAs and, like, stuff. And he said, you don't lose anything by submitting. The worst they can say is no. And I'm like, okay. Okay, so I sent it, and I, and I tried to forget about it. Because I thought, you know what? It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And so then when they called me, and said, hey, would you like to come live in the middle of Wyoming for a month and get paid to write? I'm like, yes, yes, I would. But even then, even then, as I'm, I'm driving to Wyoming, I'm saying to myself, what if everyone there's smarter than me? What if everyone there's more accomplished than me? Everyone's going to have a degree and this and that. Like, but I kept going. I just kept doing it afraid. I just was like, I'm just going to keep plowing through. So I said to my husband, maybe at some point I'll be able to do these things without being afraid. But in the meantime, I feel like I'm just walking through life going, ah! <laughs> but what, okay, so, but what is that? Because it's inspired. Everything you're saying is so freaking inspiring because if you're afraid, do it anyway. Do it afraid. Do it afraid. It's just... What an action statement that is, but what in it, what in that, Give where, where do you find source the courage to step into fear like that? Because fear is the one thing that paralyzes most people. And yet here you are, just do it afraid, do it afraid. What is it? Where does it come from that you're willing to do that? Um, my, I grew up, I grew up out in Pennsylvania Dutch country, and um, I watched a lot of my family members never do anything that they wanted to do with their lives. And a lot of times it was fear. It was fear of, you know, people are going to think this about me. People are going to say that about me, or I can't afford it. I don't have the money. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not this enough. And all around me, I saw a lot of people who felt like, they couldn't, that this is just the way life is. There are people who do things and there are people who don't. And we are people who don't. And that's, that's us. And I, I just couldn't do that. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Um, I wasn't going to watch things go the same way. Um, I've, I've seen many, many family members um, just fall into illness. They just fall into illness and disease and die. And, and so much has been wasted there. So much has been lost. Um, and it was not easy because, I mean, much like my mother usually got the, there she is with her nose in a book. Well, because, you know, my family wasn't real big fans of education. So I always had a nose in a book, too. And I had to be willing to fuck it up. I had to be willing to not get bothered when they said, oh, she, she's so much better than everyone else going to college. And I'm like, no, I just oh feel like God. I want to get out of here, you know? So I... I was afraid of being rejected by my family, but once I realized that I was going to be, um, anyway, <laughs> I was like, all right, all right, so what do you got? So when I moved 3,000 miles across the country away from them, I was like, everyone said, oh, how are you breaking up? And I'm like, I couldn't push the accelerator hard enough. <laughs> like, you know, I got in that truck and, you know, left Pennsylvania and here I am. I mean, well, it's always been scary stay in one spot. Did I make sure terrified? I'm fortunate that when I get that or I, when I, if I'm afraid of something or I feel like, you know, maybe, I guess the way that I know God's talking to me is I feel like I'm going to like blow up inside my body and come out like, like, blah, like I'm just screaming 
like wanting my brain to explode, but it's like my whole body, like I can feel it coming out of my chest. Like when I got home, I was working in Newport Beach, went back home to Oklahoma. I was home for 10 hours. Told Karen, who you met, was like, I got to get the bleep out of here. But I use the F word. I, I got to get the bleep out of here. And and I just threw, and I could, because I could feel it. It's like my soul was screaming, get out. You got to go. You got to go. You got to go. It was like a warning sign. Like if I stayed, something bad was going to happen. And, and I followed that. The same urge was like what got, brought me to San Diego. It was just the same thing. And that's like how I get my messages is like, is like my soul starts screaming at me going, go. And it, and it, like, it doesn't even make sense. I don't know. I've never even been to San Diego. Why am I going to San Diego? Go, go, go. No matter what, go. And I get that. And like every action I take, it's the same way. I follow that. And it's like, this makes no freaking sense. What am I doing? I have no idea what I'm doing and just go. And so, I mean, I, time after time after time that God has proven, like, just listen to me, dummy. <laughs> Quit listening to yourself and just go, just go. And, it, and that's, I'm fortunate that way because it allows me, I guess, where I can make these, do these courageous things. But honestly, I don't even feel like it's me doing, you know, I don't feel like it's me. I'm just like... Yeah letting myself following wherever my spirit goes, you know, but I'm fortunate like that where I haven't felt like anything I've done is that courageous. It just felt like it was something in me that was screaming that had to go like every move I make. But I, I get that too. Like being in a small, I'm from Oklahoma, right? So where you're, I'm imagine where you're from is actually smaller than where I'm from. But when like, and it makes sense with you doing all that you've done here and like this creative place that you that you live in. It makes sense that you're out in California and Los Angeles and where there's so many opportunities to create and collaborate and to take your creativity and and and, and match it with someone else's and see what that can create. Like that makes sense. What how much of an influence because I I know how we met is because I know your husband because the scene that I gave myself a speaking part in involves your husband because it made sense for me to talk right then and somehow they left it in the movie and I <laughs> by the way I don't know if I told you this or not but I when your husband was in character I thought this guy is a freaking a-hole <laughs> he's the he's the most smug oh god I hope he's I, I have to be on set with him all day and then the whole time I, I he was in character I didn't even know he really is like a wonderful man, but how much do you guys like to work together, collaborate and like, and to, to feed off each other's creative minds? Well, it's interesting. Sean and I are very different. Um, I mean, you can see from the outside. Yeah. Cause he's like conservative. looks like he'd be on the cover of GQ yes, and you, yes. yeah. And, 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 and your punk princess or whatever the heck your nickname is. Um, What's that? Yeah. <laughs> well, he, I know, exactly. I'm like, oh. I mean, Sean won the silver medal in calculus when he was in high school. What? Yeah, I know. And I can't even, like, you know, do math. I'm just like, why? You know? Um, so we're, we're, we're at separate sides of a brain. We always say that. I'm the side that has creativity and glitter and unicorn poo. And his side has, I'm doing taxes right now so we don't go to jail. I'm like, right, that's, that's what we do. But... <laughs> So many of my songs are influenced by him or are about him. The depressing and ones? <laughs> didn't you say didn't you say your music was depressing? <laughs> You're like, I think I think my music is hopeful. Um, but you're, I'm you know, sorry. <laughs> so listen to this. Listen to this guy. Listen to this guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, my song Sunday is about him. It's definitely about him. And um, when I, that's the thing, I, I write about, I write about everybody, I think, who has made some sort of emotional impact on me. When someone makes an emotional impact on me, I, I tend to write a song about them. And Sean, I mean, we've been together for 20 years, so I've written a bunch of songs about him because he's, he's made quite an impact. Um, so I, 
I think I'm helpful to him in my own way. Um, I, I definitely help him with auditions and stuff, but um, you know, I don't know if I how 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 I help him creatively. Uh, if I do, I mean. I mean, do you guys collaborate at all? I mean, do you guys bounce ideas off of each other? I was trying to ask. Sometimes, sometimes, um, it's just we hear things so differently. We hear things so differently. We can watch the same movie and. Like, I made him watch Melancholia the other night by Lars von Trier. He was okay with it, but he didn't love it. Uh, and so there, there are movies like that that I'm like, we should watch this. And he's like, here we go. Do I have to read this one? I'm like, no. <laughs> no. But he'll want to watch The Avengers. Oh. And I don't. <laughs> but, you know, we try to find that mid-ground. How? We're just... So, okay, so now there's a lot of married people that watch the show that are married to someone that is a polar opposite because, you know, opposites attract. That whole theory. How, what would you say the secret is for you guys staying together for 20 years, especially in a town like L.A. that, you know, people don't stay married? Communicate. I mean, here's the got to communicate, which everybody says that we really do. Um, but also... Despite our differences, we're best friends. Like, we are best buddies. Like, at one point, he actually even was in the kitchen. He went to tell me something. He said, hey, bro, check this out. And I'm like, okay, that, that okay, I can't be bro. Like, I can't be bro. That's too weird. Um, and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was like, but that's how, that's how buddy we are sometimes. It's like, bro, check it out. Oh, my God, bro. Uh, so, I mean, we can still stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning laughing about nothing. You know, like, we have a good time going to Target. Like we just we really? enjoy each other's company a lot. We just we're just buddies. We're just we really are. We're, we're best friends. And I feel like a lot of people, especially in um, current culture, they feel like when it gets hard, that means that it's not meant to be. So end it. Go on to something else. No, it's going to get hard. It's going to get hard, and you just push through that because on the other side of it, it's going to be even better and even stronger. So we've had moments where it's like, oh, this is hard. This is really hard. But I'm so glad we pushed through. Right. You know, because every time, every time, we're like, okay, we learned so much from that. We're stronger now. Let's keep going. You know, it's, I don't know. It, I, I always want to tell people, just hang in there. Hang in there a little longer. It, 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 of course it's hard. It's supposed to be hard. Like, it's, it's like Tom Hanks said, it's the hard that makes it great. <laughs> Communication, um, yeah, because women, men and women speak completely different languages anyway. And, in, you know, communication for men, you know, a lot of times we think it's talking. Sometimes it's shutting up and listening. That's the communicating that needs to take place. But how would you for, I don't I can't believe we're talking about marriage because I've, I've failed at marriage twice. So I'm no marriage expert at all. Um but I'm learning, you know, like I'm learning how to communicate and I'm learning how to understand different personality types and how sometimes when you have someone that's more analytical, they like to ask lots of questions. And that doesn't mean for someone like me, who's a controller creative, that I just like the details don't matter to me at all. I just go do it. And, you know, but I'm so I'm learning these tools, which I would like, man, that would have made my life much more different if I would have known this years ago. But... What would you say when when you feel like I'm sure you've had this in your relationship where you guys are talking and you're you are saying the same thing which you learn later but yet the what you're saying is being interpreted different. What kind of like tips or recommendations do you have for you know learning how to shift how you're hearing things from your partner? For me, I know from my end, my thing is to always start with the assumption that he wants this to work out. Oh. He, he's never trying. Like I always say to him, I know you're not trying to be an ass right now. Like, <laughs> so even if, even if I feel like he's being that way, I have to tell myself, this is this is your partner. This is your friend. Right. Why would he be trying to upset you right now? So what could he possibly be saying that is not what I'm hearing? And so then that does help, you know, it's like, okay, he's saying it because, so and sometimes they say, okay, you're saying this, I'm like, here, what I'm hearing is, why are you an idiot? Instead, what you're saying is, well, here's how I would fix it. 
because, like most men, he's a fixer. And we don't always want you to fix it. We just want you to listen and go, oh, that's terrible. Have some wine. Like, that's what we want. Here's some chocolate. That's what we want. We don't want to hear, oh, well, you know how I fix that. It's like, no, I don't care how you fix that, Jackson. Relax. Like, I don't know. And especially my Sean, I mean, God bless him. We always call him Superman. You know, I mean, he's in the cave because he's going to fix it. And I'm like, no, no, I don't need to fix it. And he's like, oh, wow. He knows my eyebrows get hot. I'm like, they're really hot, really hot. I'm like, yeah, don't fix it, bro. So there's that. Nice segue. And for me, I know sometimes I get impatient um, too quickly. It's because my, my, I think my thought, well, I, you can see I talk fast and I don't even realize it, but I get told all the time I talk fast. I talk fast because my thoughts are coming fast. I'm just kind of a fast person. And so sometimes I'm like, okay, yeah, come on, tell the story, Sean, let's go. Here we go. You know, and he's like, why are you getting impatient with me? I'm like, you're right. You're right. Take your time. I'll have some wine. <laughs> I was about to say have some wine. <laughs> That's and it's about, yeah. yeah. Um. yeah. Just always assume, I think the key is always remember you're on the same side. You're always on the same side. Like if you go into it feeling like this is a fight and you're my adversary, of course you're going to hear things that are adversarial. But if you think, oh no, we're on the same side, we're just trying to work out this thing together. You know, nobody wants to hurt the other person. Then it helps. But I'm lucky in that I know that is true of Sean. I know there are women who are in relationships and men. Where that isn't true. The other person is trying to hurt them, and the other person is dangerous. So it's funny. There's no one-size-fits-all, I don't Do, think. I know what people say about marriage advice. I don't think there is one-size-fits-all because there are some evil people out there. True. You know? So I only you can know. Do you believe in the, the theory of not going to bed angry? Well, I think with some people, they never sleep then. <laughs> I know. I'd rather brothers sleep. <laughs> I, would go I know there are times um, because I'm I'm more of a slow burn. I'm more of a, I get hurt. I don't get angry. I get hurt. That's always me. Whereas he gets angry. He's Irish, you know, and he's a, you know, and there reaches a point when he's really way up there where it's best to just let him be, let right. him cool off, let him go. <laughs> You know, and then he'll 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 dial down. And when he does, he's like, Oh, oh my gosh, you know, sorry I didn't realize I was getting so crazy, you know. Um, so and I've noticed that with a few different men. So I don't know if it's a male thing or whatnot that like and two, like that they just need to yell. They need to yell and they need to get it out and then they're done with it. Yeah. Whereas I'm like, No, I'm still upset now because you yelled at me. I'm I'm gonna be upset about that for a while now. But I'm not yelling at you, I'm just yelling. Oh. But that <laughs> it's true though. I express I ex, my sadness comes out as anger, and that's something else that I'm learning how just to be sad. And it's okay to be sad. It's okay because sad allows you to be vulnerable, and vulnerable is okay. Yeah. It's not a bad thing. I I'm learning that, and it's so anti what we are taught, or at least what we learn, and. And yeah, you're right. Men have this protective. We are we are going to fix everything, and and I think that would you find that by just shutting up and listening that it's empowering for a woman? Yeah, yeah. We, we well, we like to feel like you're not sitting there waiting for us to be done, so you can tell us how you would have done it properly. It's like I'm gonna I'll hold. On, I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> That's good stuff right there. I'm gonna write. I'm, I'm right. I need. Put that down here. Okay. Okay. We're good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and I don't even know how in the heck we got on talking about marriage. I'm not even married. And, you know, I, I don't see it happening anytime soon. But I, I do, you know, I think that relationships and human interactions and anyone who's been married for 20 years should be commended because you're right. We live in a society, a cult. We have a society, a culture that when things get hard, they say, screw it, I quit. And, and really, like anything in life, that, you know, just on the other side of the chaos and the, the failure or the, the, the when you feel broken, like the victory is on the other side of that, you know. And, and I guess that's really, really true even with marriage is that when you can come through it and you can work through it together, 
there's it's 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 such a beautiful thing that it can create it can create a bond that lasts forever and for every tough trial that you get through together as a team the stronger that you are and i find that beautiful i i i think that honestly i as accomplished as you are with your music and acting and your writing like the being married 20 years in hollywood is pretty dadgum impressive especially with two creative people any of it without because he really like we always say he really keeps me grounded we always say like i'm like i'm like kind of like a little kite and he has hold of the string to make sure i don't get caught in the trees you know like it's he just keeps me from being too crazy because i do get like you know oh you know, I, I we always say my head's just full of glitter and excitement and i'll, I'll go i want to do this now and i'm going to do that and i get excited and he's he is the constant. He is the constant. He is logical. He is sensible. And you do need that. You do need, you know, someone who's thinking about, well, no, wait a minute. How are you going to do that? Like you said about details. I used to always say that. I'd say, I'm going to do this. And my mom said, well, what about this? I'm like, details. These are all just details. I don't care about details. Sometimes you got to care about details. Yeah. And Sean cares desperately about details. And yeah. I've, I learned so much from him. Like, just, he. He does life really well. Yeah. He really does. I he do is, life chaos. He is kind in a way that I've never seen any other human being be kind. He always thinks of other people before himself. Um, I, I always say I wish I could be half as good as Sean. Because like, he is he's really awesome. Yeah, but you know what? The world needs people like us, crazy people too, you know? <laughs> we definitely have that in common. Yes. Well, listen, I, um, I, I really appreciate you giving me so much time. Um, oh, I told you, no, you're awesome. And I'm, I'm actually going to check out the new album. When, when does it come out? May 15th. You said that May 15th. That's a magical day because that's when my daughter is coming to San Diego. Oh, how old is she? She's 18. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a long woman right there. You have no idea. Um, I'm really excited, though. I'm very, very excited. So um, I'm also... Oh, we are doing um, another movie screening in San Diego, June 21st. Cool. So hopefully you guys come down for that, because we'd love to see you again, for sure. I very well may be on the road by then. Oh, well, that's awesome. A tour. Very cool. Well, listen, um, for VK, for coming on the show today, I'm going to give you a giraffe. A giraffe? Yeah, yeah. And you cannot sell it and you cannot give it away. Okay. What are you going to do with it? Giraffe. Well, I mean, my first impulse is trying to figure out how I can get it to eat the little these little flowers on the trees around my backyard that are constantly dripping into the backyard and making a terrible mess. And I'm thinking, well, that's what a giraffe would do. It's like I really feel like instead of lawnmowers, everyone should have a goat. Um, but <laughs> if we can't transport the giraffe that well, um, I would want to take it to where it would be happy and, and then visit it and be like, here you are in your habitat. And, and name him something really fun, like, I don't know, Estes. Estes is, Estes Estes is good. I like that yeah. a lot. Well, listen, um, you are a blessing, and I'm so happy to uh, have had you on. And, and again, I'm sorry about butchering your bio. I, But it now makes perfect sense that you use words that were longer than two syllables. So that's going to happen. Um, but you are a blessing, and I, I look forward to seeing you again for sure. Likewise, likewise. Tell your husband I, I said hi. I will. All right. <laughs> See ya. Bye. See ya. Ah, she was cool. Um, well, thank you, everybody, for watching. Shelly, Stephen, uh, it's good to see you guys. Thank you, Jeanette, Moselle, Charlie, uh, Michael. W wonderful seeing you guys. Denzel, <laughs> great to see you. Um, she was fun. She was def Yeah, she was definitely a delight. She's an awesome human being. Uh, got to meet her in person, and that's why she's on the show. She was awesome. So anyway, listen, um, tomorrow we have a great show at 9 a.m. Pacific, and I'm really, really looking forward to meeting you. Thank you, everybody listening on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and, of course, everybody watching on YouTube and Facebook. 
God bless you guys and have an amazing night. You've been trying for half an hour to get your little bundle of joy to be a bundle of sleep, but so far nothing's worked. You tried the binky, you tried the blankie, you even made Mr. Fluffy do the Fluffy Wuffy dance. Alas, your tiny miracle has a very large pair of lungs, but you have an Amazon Echo, so you call for backup. Alexa, call mom. Calling mom. And just like that, grandma to the rescue. Hi, baby. Grandma's here. Alexa, thanks. Anytime.